The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program. WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, WLHS, the Lakota Local School District, or staff and management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as specific legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on WMKV, WLHS, and the Maple Knoll Radio Network. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vena Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing, your nation's public radio source for the news, information, and inspiration you need to start or grow your own real estate investing business. And what a great business it is. We don't, uh, we don't get into real estate investing for our love of bricks and mortar. Or for the excitement of, you know, having having one's own business, because anyone who's ever done that knows that when I say excitement, you should be hearing the sarcasm font in which that is written. <laughs> but it certainly does offer us a lot of freedom of choice and a lot of opportunity that other folks do not have. And uh, I strongly encourage you that if you have been thinking about pulling the trigger or maybe at some point going and checking out your local real estate association, go ahead and do that. Because if you will do the things that are necessary to make this business work for yourself, you will find that the rewards are in fact well worth the trouble and hassle that one goes through when one starts a business. Tonight, we're going to talk about one uh, asset class within the bigger world of real estate investing, and that is the apartment investing business. Um, That market has been moving uh, quite a bit in the last six months and uh, brought on board today Mr. Anthony Chara to discuss his opinion of what is happening and what your best moves are. Anthony is a seasoned real estate investor who has been full-time in the business since 2001. He's the managing partner of Apartment Mentors, LLC, and the founder of Success Classes, LLC. And he and his partner, partners own literally over a 1,000 units all over the United States. So he has his finger on the pulse of a lot of... Uh, local and regional markets. So joining us from his home in Denver is Anthony Chara. Anthony, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. I don't hear Anthony. I hear a phone ringing. I'm I'm good, Anthony. Uh, We got, we got, hang on. We got some kind of interference going on on the line here. Uh, He's going to put you back on hold and pick it back up. And that wasn't hold. That was, that was goodbye, Anthony. Yeah, we'll call it. We'll call him back in a different line. This is always um, the challenging part of live radio is that we can't we can't edit out this stuff that's happening live right now in the studios of WMKV. <laughs> so Anthony, back with us in a second. Well, while we put that together, uh, the Real Estate Investors Association of Greater Cincinnati is 
holding its annual trade fair next Thursday, not tomorrow, a week from tomorrow. That is the uh, 19th of May, and uh, this is always a a large and uh, very, very uh, exciting event. There's always like, you know, 60 vendors and hundreds of local investors uh, in, in all areas of, you know, the tri-state and also rehabbers, wholesalers, landlords, all those sorts of folks. And the best part is it doesn't cost anything to go. It's open to the public. So you can check out more about that and mark it in your calendar so you don't miss it. It is CincinnatiRia.com. Oh, and if you're if you're a vendor who has products or services for real estate investors, uh, there are still some tables available as well. So real so uh, CincinnatiRia.com is where you go to find out more about that. And we have Anthony back on the line. I hope Anthony. I'm here. There I'm here. you are. Yeah. Now now I can hear you. That's always a a big positive. Um. So Anthony, every time I turn around, I'm seeing news that the apartment investing market might have hit a high and be on its way down. And specifically, what what made me pick up the phone and call you was an article that appeared in the Wall Street Journal last month that says that the apartment rental market cooled in the first quarter of 2016, according to reports from three different research companies suggesting that a six-year boom has uh, pushed the house uh, cost of housing to unaffordable heights and may be coming to an end. The vacancy rate is up slightly, and uh, although rents are apparently still increasing, the demand for new apartments is about half its typical level. So you, you've got to be hearing all this, too. In fact, you, you I mean, this is what you do day in and day out. What is your take on what is going out there on out there in the apartment world? Yep, I do hear that a lot too, and I, I think what should happen is all of your listeners should not think about investing in apartments. They should just get out right now and yeah, because it doesn't it doesn't actually work. And um, anyone, especially who's making an offer on a property that Anthony's interested in, should leave the business immediately. Exactly, exactly. Leave more for me. So yeah, there are there is some truth to what they're saying in those articles, but you also have to look at it from the perspective of what specific classification of apartment buildings are they talking about? You can't, A, lump all classifications of buildings together, and you can't lump all cities across the nation together. So there are some cities out there that have just gone like gangbusters from coast to coast, specifically Houston, Dallas, Denver, Seattle, um, Atlanta, and this is one other big one in there, Washington, D.C., that have been going like gangbusters. Well, they're also referring to A-class apartment buildings. Mm-hmm. Usually it's the creme de la creme, creme of the crop, right? The creme de la creme, that, where people are spending a heck of a lot more money. They've got a lot more disposable income. They're looking for the really nice, frilly apartments, and they're willing to spend that kind of money. And that's been going like crazy for five, six, seven years now, just like the articles talk about. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. there's a lot of other asset classes out there that don't even compete with those markets. So if you, if you know anything about A-class, B-class, and C-class properties, you've got your A-class properties, which are the high-end stuff that have all the fancy whistles and bells, the really nice carpeting and flooring and kitchen cabinets and granite countertops and high-end appliances. Then you've got your B-class properties, which are kind of in the middle 
they're down a little bit. They're not as good a quality as a flooring or finishes or appliances. And then you've got your C-class properties, which is where a lot of people live. They're generally a lot more affordable. So don't just lump everything all into one basket. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, when you talk about uh, the the A class units in the cities that, uh, and many of the cities that you mentioned are having housing problems outside of apartments. <laughs> I mean, their their house prices have gotten very high. Their rents have gotten unaffordably high. There, in some of the cities you've mentioned, there are uh, actual renters' movements trying to force rent control. And I mean, so 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 some of those markets are not they wouldn't be familiar <laughs> to those of us who invest in the midwest and the south and the you know parts of the country that are not on a coast somewhere but the kind of building you're talking about the newer you know nice neighborhood luxury and and in addition to the the finishes on the inside a lot of those places have pools and tennis courts and workout rooms and just you know every every it's like it's like living in a hotel all the time Oh yeah, there's one that they just they just one they just put up in in the Fort Collins area, which is about an hour and a half north of Denver. That has its own dog park. Nice. They actually not they didn't put one in for the kids. They put one in for the dog. <laughs> nice. Those those that that is a class of building that I understand is normally built and invested in by large institutional buyers that. Your insurance companies, your hedge funds, your your REITs, things like that. Those aren't typically the kinds of properties that I hear about real life investors getting involved in anyway. Correct. The only time uh, the average investor gets in one of those buildings is, as you just pointed out, one of the vehicles you can invest in is a REIT, a real estate investment trust. You can go out and you can invest in a portion of a REIT that goes out and buys apartment buildings or other types of commercial buildings all across the United States and get a, a little minuscule return while they get the lion's share. Or you can go do it yourself, mm-hmm. in which case you're right. You're not going out and necessarily going to buy an A-class apartment building. You're generally going to start in C-class properties, which are much more affordable for renters. They usually The renters also usually stay in those apartment buildings for a considerable amount of time as well as opposed to A-class properties where a lot of those people generally come in for 6 to 12 months, maybe 18 months, because a lot of times they're coming in because they're looking for a place to actually live, a a house to be built or to find the right house, or they just started a new job and they needed to get out here. And 6, 12 months, 18 months later, they're often going someplace else. You actually have a lot of turnover in a lot of those higher-end properties as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, so when we come back from the break, uh, let's talk about your observations about where the best deals are in these B and C class buildings for folks who just, you know, are not, can't write a million dollar check to put a down payment down on a property. And also uh, what's going on in the finance market in, uh, in terms of uh, best ways to, to find these buildings and so on. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. My guest today is Anthony Chara. We're talking about what is happening in the apartment market. There's a lot of headlines and 
we're trying to get a, a real ground level view of, of what the opportunities really are and are not. If you have questions about apartment investing, you can give us a call at 877-772-9658. That's 877-772-9658. Or you can send us a question via email. Just go to our website at realliferealestate.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I am your host, Vina Jones-Cox. We're doing kind of a an updated look at the apartment market right now because of all of the news about how um, there's been a big run-up in prices and in rents, of course, because those th- in the apartment business, those two things are closely related to one another. And uh, now it seems to maybe be cooling off a little bit. And uh, we're talking to Anthony Chara, who does this day in and day out, both with himself and with students from all over the country. So he's you know constantly sort of hearing about this building and that building and things that people are really doing, not in the newspaper, but in real life. And uh, Anthony, the... I can tell you that here in Cincinnati, which is you know very mid-level market, um, there is a lot more interest in apartment buildings than there was two years ago. But that could be because of you, because <laughs> you've been here a couple of times telling people they ought to be they ought to be buying apartments. But I I don't know that I've seen a huge run up in prices in like the the twenty unit B and C class building. Well, they are running up in some of those markets that I mentioned earlier before the break. There, There's a lot of properties that have gone up, literally have doubled in value from asking price. So, you know, Cincinnati is not one of those markets that's on the, the hot list of areas that are just going like gangbusters. Uh, some of those other markets, there's a ton of jobs coming in, which re- is really what drives those particular markets. And because of those jobs and the foreign money coming into the, some of those areas, uh, there were a lot of investors coming in and just driving the prices up through the roof and a lot of new developments going on, which also caused the prices to go up through the roof. So in some ways, you, you guys are a little bit out of or removed from what's been happening in a lot of other cities around the country, which is good for you as an investor. And if you get in now, eventually it is going to get caught up because all markets have cycles. And if you're in a flat cycle right now, when it comes to apartments in your particular city, now's a good time to get in because it's, it is going to go up. Um, I've also had people ask me about interest rates, too. Well, what's going to happen to the apartments if interest rates go up? To me, the value is just going to go up because if interest rates go up and I already own a property, then they're going to go up for people that want to buy homes, which means there's a lot of people that are going to get priced out of those homes. They're not going to be able to afford the mortgages, which means they're going to be renting longer. Uh, one of the other things that I, I came across was an article a couple months ago that talked about a lot of people that are now renting apartments that should actually be out buying houses, but they're not because they saw they either personally went through the downturn back in 2007 to 2011, or they saw someone else go through the downturn at that same time period, and they don't want to have anything to do with owning a house and getting stuck in a house like to what happened to those people back then where they got foreclosed on and some people got humiliated because... I mean, that's a, it's a situation where if you've ever gone through a foreclosure, which thank God I haven't, I'm sure you probably feel humiliated because you, you basically failed at making your mortgage payment, even if it wasn't your fault because you lost a job and you couldn't find another one and you're out there hitting the bricks and trying to find something. 
but ultimately it happened and a lot of people there's a lot more people that are now renting by choice than they've ever seen in recent history here in this country so i think uh, rentals in general especially apartments are just going to continue to go up and have a lot more popularity yeah, you just have to find the right market it'll be very interesting to see if we have in fact turned the corner and become a renter culture because the the kids who graduate from college now carrying $80,000 in cannot be bankrupted out of student loans that they won't be paying off until they're 35, you know, and, and who did see their parents go through foreclosures and job losses and so on, and who frankly, I think, like the ability to, to, to move every year or two just to kind of have a different scene than they have right now. Um, they're, yep. yeah, they're, they're the ones I think who are going to determine whether this is a long-term trend or not. And certainly, you know, apartments are kind of by definition, uh, at least where, where people start out renting, you know, they may, they may ultimately end up in, in single family homes or smaller uh, properties. But I think the other thing that's, that's, um, got to be driving the value of apartment buildings right now is how few affordable homes are being built, you know, the kind of stuff that if you were living in that $1,200 a month, nice A-class unit that you would typically move out of and buy your first home, that house is not being built right now. Yep. What's yeah, even the ones that have been built a while ago have just, in some areas, have gone through the roof. I've, I've got a uh, uh, one of my individual rental properties is a condo here in the Denver market. And a couple of years ago, it was worth about $90,000. Now it's two years later, it's worth one hundred and eighty. So along with the job growth that's been going on and all the nice, new, shiny apartments that are being built, there are a lot of other new homes being put in. But you, like you said, those are all very high-end homes, and it's driving up everything else. Even the, even the lower-end housing and condos are, are going through the roof in select markets. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. So I want to come back to this idea of there's, you know, there's Seattle and there's Portland and there's San Francisco and there's Boston and these places that we're hearing that people cannot, you know, they're, they're, <laughs> they're renting bedrooms, not apartments because it's so expensive <laughs> to live there. And then there's Cincinnati and Indianapolis and Columbus and Kansas City and, you know, places like that where you can still afford to buy an apartment building. You have made the point on this show many times that the fact that you live in Seattle does not mean you need to be buying apartment buildings in Seattle, that unlike owning single-family homes, which I think is something you should be doing in your own backyard, apartments are something that you can and should be looking at on a national basis. I would agree. Absolutely. Well, you said it. I'm, 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 I'm quoting you. <laughs> so, so here's... Well, no wonder what you're so, uh, so I know. I sound so smart right now, don't I? To you, anyway. Um, so here's, let me, let me follow, follow that up with an actual question. Um, how does somebody who lives in Cincinnati find out about a building that's in Louisville or Cleveland or Pittsburgh or someplace like that? Like how, how do you, it's one thing to say you should be looking nationally. It's a different thing to know how to look nationally. Absolutely. Well, just it, it comes back to what you brought up just a little bit ago about the people that are graduating, the young kids that are graduating now. We live in a mobile society, and you were asking about whether or not you thought renting was going to be a trend or, or more renting was going to be a trend. I absolutely think that it is because 
literally nowadays people have the world at their fingertips. You're in Cincinnati. I'm in Denver. I can tomorrow. I'll be in Southern California, and I'm going to take my office with me because I'm going to have my phone. I'm going to have my laptop, and I'm going to be able to travel there and do a presentation and learn about apartments in that area and teach people about apartments in that area. And that's exactly what's happening now. Uh, to find a property anywhere in the world, or especially here in the United States, which is where I prefer to invest because you know pretty much what's going to happen with uh, governments and laws and the rule of law and things like that, which some foreign co- countries, you have no idea what's going to happen from week to week. You can get on the Internet. There are a ton of different websites out there that you can go to. There are national brokerages out there like Marcus and Millichap, Sperry Van Ness, C.B. Richard Ellis that you can go to. You can go to their website. There are local websites uh, that you can go to. One of the things that I teach my students is you can get on the Internet and just type in apartments for sale and then enter the city. Now, a lot of the very first listings that are going to come up are going to go to a website called LoopNet, loopnet.com. There's a ton of them out there. Uh, probably the first five or six or ten pages might be nothing but LoopNet, LoopNet, LoopNet. But as you keep drilling down into those advertisements, you're going to find other brokerage houses that are in those markets, what I call local brokers or regional brokers, that only service a limited amount of area as opposed to the entire country. There, there are properties available all over the place, and it starts with finding the brokers that have those listings in those markets and then getting on the phone and calling them up and starting to build a relationship with them. And then more importantly, once you start building that relationship, actually go to those markets at some point to make face-to-face contact, take them to lunch, take them to dinner, get to know them on a more personal basis, let them get to know you on a personal basis, and you're going to be able to find deals in whatever city you need to find deals in all across the country. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So are you willing to share what you think some of the, the, the best value markets are out there right now? So right now, the, some of the, the top areas are that I see coming up, quite frankly, you've got some very close to you. One of them is Dayton. You've got some really good economic news coming out of Dayton. And uh, there's some new jobs coming into that area, new businesses that are moving into that market, also with expanding into that market, or current employers that are expanding. I've got some students up there that are buying stuff like crazy. Um, Columbus is another good market. A lot of times the, the state uh, capital is a, is a, can be a good market to invest in just because you have the state government there and you have a lot of jobs and opportunity. So Columbus is doing really well. And then right across the border, even Indianapolis has kind of turned the quarter. A few years ago, Indianapolis was the second most vacant city in the country. And now it's even on the rise. But with every city, even with those three, you still don't just assume that any property in any one of those markets is going to be a good deal, even with good economic information. You still need to study the market and find out where are good areas to invest and buy properties and where are areas in those markets that you should avoid for things like uh, crime or just a depressed part of the, the city or an area that just it was built 50, 60 years ago and it looks like it was built 300 years ago. It's just <laughs> very torn down, not necessarily torn down, but very bad shape. Uh, not a lot of owners or people that live there seem to really care about that corner of their particular city. So try and find something that's between the nice of the nice and the A-class properties 
but not the worst of the worst. Find something in between. Uh, one of the things that I used to, to do when I travel around the country is I'd, when I get my rental car, I'd get one of those rental car maps, and I'd rip off about 10 of them. And when I'd go to my hotel or to uh, a, a restaurant, I'd hand somebody a, a red pen, and they didn't know it was a red pen. I mean, it, there's a, a moral to the story here that I'll get to in a second. But I'd hand them a red pen, and I'd say, circle on this map where I should not invest. I'd explain that I was an investor, an apartment investor, and where areas that I should avoid. They'd circle them on the map. Then I'd take that pen away from them, and I'd hand them a green pen. I'd say, okay, where are areas that I should invest? And, of course, I'd each case, I'd ask them why not that area or why this specific area. And then what I would start doing is I would start targeting the area in between the green and the red. Because generally the green areas were the areas where all the A-class, high-priced properties were, and the red areas were usually the high-crime gang areas that nobody wanted to go into. And then somewhere in between was the, those middle-of-the-road properties, which were nice areas, nice and clean, safe environment, not too high-priced, and yet there wasn't any crime that was keeping people out of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it's always important when you're buying a piece of real estate, <laughs> whatever whatever that happens to be, to do your due diligence and not be a not be a motivated buyer and pull a trigger because you get excited because of how the numbers look on paper without doing full, a full investigation. I think with apartment buildings, that's probably twice as important because it's it's so easy to get misled by what you're seeing on Google Earth and 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 the pro forma income and expense statement that the agent has posted on LoopNet that says that the thing has a 23.4% return yeah. <laughs> yeah once once you buy it at our price and then you increase the rent because we're not going to and you control the expenses because we haven't been able to and you increase the occupancy because we can't figure out how to get it up it'll be worth tomorrow what we asked you to pay for today uh-huh exactly so uh as always i mean i think we we make this point every time you're on apartments are not single family homes you can't you can't guess what they're worth by comping them. You have to really understand the full financial calculations that go into what is an apartment building worth. But in a lot of ways, it's that determination is a lot more scientific than it is with a single family home, right? It's, it's, you get the numbers and you put them together and you divide them by the cap rate and you know, you got your value. So in some ways, in some ways it's easier, but it is different. So get, get your education. Um, speaking of which, uh, you were kind enough to provide us with an article explaining cap rate because uh, we did, we actually did a show on that probably two or three years ago. And it's one of the most popular shows on our podcast. So it's got it's got one of the highest you know number of people clicking it to listen because uh, I think that is something that is confusing to folks who are used to single family homes and trying to get into apartments. And uh, folks can read that article at arigatas uh, uh, and it's a very good explanation of how the cap rate and the net operating income and so on go into calculating what an apartment is worth. So we thank you for that. Uh, also, I should mention that you are going to be here in Ohio uh, the first couple of weeks of June. Cincinnati. I'm going to pull up my calendar here and get the dates. Uh, I am? You better be. They're planning on it. <laughs> Cincinnati. <laughs> on these... I am, yeah. <laughs> Cincinnati, you'll be at the uh, Cincinnati Rea meeting on the 2nd, following up with a one-day seminar on the 4th. And I've been to that one-day seminar now, I think, two two or three different times. And I have to say it is excellent uh, and very inexpensive. So uh, folks who are in, who can who can be in the Cincinnati area during that time can find out more about that at CincinnatiRia.com. And then 
the following Tuesday, the 7th, and Saturday, the 11th, you're going to be in Columbus doing basically the same presentation. And uh, folks can find out about that at centralohiorea.com. And uh, in the one day, you're able to get into some of the stuff that we're just, we're sort of just able to mention is important here in this, you know, 45-minute radio show, like cap rates and net operating incomes and best ways to find deals and things like that. So again, CincinnatiRIA.com or CentralOhioRIA.com to find out uh, more about Anthony's appearances here. Um, So uh, getting some questions in from listeners who are sending them via our website at RealLifeRealEstate.com. This one is from JC in Las Vegas. He says, does Anthony see a return of condo conversions in the next few years, especially in markets with expensive single-family homes. Remember, remember condo conversions, Anthony. <laughs> yes, I do remember condo conversions. I remember them very well. As a matter of fact, I crashed and burned on one way back in <laughs> 2005, 2006. Oh wow! Perfect timing. So, you had perfect timing. Yeah, yeah, perfect. It's exactly what it was. We we bought it at the end of the rush because we didn't see the writing on the wall, and we actually partnered with the developer on a 344 unit complex that was an A class apartment building that we were converting to A class condos. Mm-hmm. And out of 344, we sold 100 of them, and the other 244, as the market kept going down. Things didn't work out. The developer that we partnered with did some stupid things by combining properties and then refinancing all three properties, which we had nothing to do with the other two. And the rumor has it that that's what took down the whole project. And, uh, yeah, it crashed and burned. So uh, I am probably not the best person to ask about (laughs) condo conversions. You have a a bit of a... um, A bit of a... uh prejudice against them i gather um well i i do i do own them and they're doing very well so but they were down just like everything else just like houses and everything else they went down and now the values have gone back up just like all the cycles do whether it's apartments or condos or houses so yeah to answer his question is is houses start going up if you're in an area where houses are getting unaffordable one of the next steps is for people to buy into a condo if they're interested in home ownership the only downside this time is what we had talked about earlier with the fact that there's a lot more people leaning towards rentals. And so even as a rental, they're not necessarily going to be going out and buying a condo to own it, but they might live in a condo as a rental or an apartment as a rental or a single-family house as a rental. So uh, I, I next question. <laughs> yes, very good. Actually, <laughs> what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to discuss the possibilities for folks who are really new to the real estate business to get straight into apartments without going through the whole process of first I have to wholesale, then I have to retail, then I have to buy single family homes. We'll also take more listener questions at 877-772-9658 or via our website, just go to ask, or just go to uh, click the Ask Vina a Question button, send in your question via email. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. My guest today is Anthony Chara, and we are talking about uh, the state of the apartment market. There's just some, I don't know, panicky news, it seems like, in the, the Wall Street Journal and a lot of the trade journals saying 
as some markets have just gotten overheated and now they're they're cooling off, which you know that happens in the real estate business. Um, let's Anthony, because you, I mean, you go to all of these markets. I, I, you, you go and speak at the real estate associations. You look at properties. Um, what do you think about the 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 hot markets? We, we've been to, we've been concentrating on like where can I go get a bargain, but what, what what do you think about these hot markets? Well, it's a great question because there are just like the articles say, there's a lot of markets that are overbuilt. They're they're going to see vacancy go up. They're going to see more concessions when it comes to rent. But as we talked about earlier in the conversation, there a lot of these are A class properties. They're really really nice nice properties. And what I see happening in those markets, because they've literally, in some cases, priced out a lot of people who can't afford or don't want to afford those really nice places. They just want a nice place to live. They don't have to overspend. They're deliberate with their money and what they spend it on, and they realize that they can get a nice, clean, comfortable place to live for $1,000 a month, and they don't need to spend or want to spend 1500 a month. So one of the things that I think, see happening in those markets, there's a big need for people to come into some of those properties that are what I would call B-class properties or even some nicer C-class properties and come in and renovate those mm. to bring them up to a much even nicer condition. There's, they've, in essence, they've kind of been neglected over the last couple of years because of all this new stuff that's been going on that not a lot of people have paid attention to some of these mid-level properties. So you can get some much better deals by buying properties that have been maybe – or have or maybe uh, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 years old that haven't been maintained. They've seen a lot of people leave because they are, in some cases, going to some of these nicer properties. And so the next wave I see in some of those hot markets where you might see the A markets coming down, there are a lot of people out there who are going to wise up. And they're going to realize that they don't want to pay what they were asking those A properties. They're going to be looking for nicer stuff. So if you can buy a B-class property in some of those same areas and renovate it and bring up the standards in that property, update the flooring, update the cabinets and the appliances. I think that's where the next wave is going in some of those same hot markets. So just because one segment, that one A-class properties or A-class properties are going down potentially, doesn't mean that there other aren't there aren't other opportunities within those same markets for B and C-class properties and for people to invest in those in those same markets. Interesting. Interesting. So folks who have been through the have been to the rodeo of renovating houses might find a little niche for themselves in basically doing the same thing only doing it you know 20 or 40 times in the same building yep. <laughs> oh the- yeah and talk, talk about a no-brainer if people really have experience doing fix and flips or fix and holds they're going to love doing that to an apartment building because just like you said imagine instead of doing one house here and one house there you're doing 20, 30, 40, 50 units at a time. Not to mention that, but your money goes so much further because you only have, in some cases, one or two or three roofs, not a roof per property. Mm-hmm. So that that what you might put in fifteen, twenty, twenty-five thousand dollars $25,000 into a single-family home, you could put five to $10,000 into an apartment unit, and it goes a long way to mm-hmm. upgrading the cabinets and the flooring and the appliances and everything that goes along with it. You actually get much more bang for your buck, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, very, very true. Because when you think about what upgrades do you make to an apartment versus what upgrades do you make to a house, basically everything is inside the walls. Because the roof, 
there's only one roof over the whole 40 units, right? And there's only yeah. there's probably only one boiler for the whole 40 units. And so to to give it that to give it that oomph that tenants want to pay more rent, which is the you know IKEA style kitchens and the you know stainless steel appliances and the nice baths and things like that is is all the stuff that we consider easy in a house rehab. That's yeah. that's the easy part. <laughs> and and you're right, it's hard to spend, I mean even even on like a two bedroom apartment, it's hard to spend more than 5 or 10,000 dollars on new finishes. Yeah, you have to really be pushing it. I mean, you're talking to get it up to that high end, you're talking stainless steel appliances, granite countertops, and you don't need that stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You just need good quality appliances, good quality countertops. I would I would probably spend a little bit more upgrading the flooring. Uh, we've actually switched over to a product that looks like, it's not just laminate wood flooring, it actually looks like real wood. You can actually feel the grain in it. Huh. And the stuff is, it's like a rock. Uh, it, it's going to last a heck of a lot longer than your typical vinyl or even your carpeting that you, you typically see in a an apartment complex, what they call renter's grade carpet. And sure, it's going to cost a little bit more, but as long as you're going in and renovating, put it in because you're not going to have to replace it in three or four years like you would normal apartment carpet. Mm -hmm. Or the vinyl's not going to get torn up, right? You think of um, whether it's somebody wearing high heels or pets or whatever, a lot of times that cheap vinyl that they put in bathrooms and kitchens, they get tears and rips in it. And the value of the property then starts to deteriorate because some people will be okay living there, but those aren't necessarily the people you want living in your property because they're okay because the vinyl and the carpet's all torn up. <laughs> and this stuff will last a heck of a lot longer. So your your dollars up front are a little more expensive, but in the long run, where you really make your money with your apartments is generating that income and that cash flow. And sure enough, you're going to take that hit on the front end, but it's going to more than pay for itself on the back end when you're not replacing all the carpet and the vinyl on a regular basis from the your residents tearing it up. Right, right, right. Okay, let's let's talk about um opportunities for small investors who don't have millions of bucks and don't have tons of experience behind them where they can necessarily get a bank to take a big chance on them. <laughs> Things like that. Um are there are there good opportunities for folks like that, or are they getting beat out by the professional apartment buyers right now? Well, most, as you say, professional apartment buyers are usually going for the big stuff. They're, they're going for the nicer properties. They're, they're not going after a, necessarily a 10 or 15 or 20 unit apartment building. Uh, so there is definitely some opportunity there for people that have limited experience or limited cash flow. I would recommend in some of those cases you do start with something a little bit smaller. Even if you just go from a single-family home to a duplex or a triplex or a fourplex, there's still a lot more opportunity for you, and now you've just multiplied the number of units that your money has bought. So even if you could afford a single-family home, why not take that same money and use it as a down payment on a fourplex? Now instead of getting one unit, now you have four units. Mm-hmm. You're just multiplying the effectiveness of your money by doing that and getting into multifamily. Another nice part about going with some of the smaller complexes, like a 10 or 15 or 20 unit, since you're not necessarily competing with a lot of other big hitters, uh, there also aren't a lot necessarily a lot of lenders that are out there that are willing to loan on some of those smaller properties. So those are prime for somebody with limited funds and limited experience to go in and, and get some type of seller financing, because the sellers know that they may not 
be able to find a lender that's willing to loan on it. Um, the other thing that they can do, too, and one of the things that I preach religiously in all of my classes is to partner. So maybe you don't have a whole lot of money or a whole lot of experience. Great. Go to some different classes or some networking groups or Cincinnati REA or the Central Ohio Real, Real Estate Investors Association, right? Go to those places and start meeting up with other people that have the same focus that you do and start pooling your resources. You can pool your experience, pool your money, and you can pull down some of these larger properties just by partnering with some of these other people that have the same attitude and the same direction and focus that you have. Mm-hmm. Well, and then, of course, there's that there's that whole giant group of people that all they have is money. They don't have any knowledge. They don't have any experience. They don't have any deals on the table. <laughs> but they got the money. And yeah, and they 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 don't they don't want to like partner with you in the sense that they're going to do part of the work and you're going to do part of the work and they're going to put in part of the money and you're going to put in the part of the money. They want to partner with you in the sense that they want to write the check and have you do the rest of it. And the the yeah. thing the thing I mean, I'm sure there's people listening that are just like, oh my gosh, how do I how do I get that? That sounds exactly like what I want. And I, again, I'm gonna I'm gonna spank you all a little bit and say, don't you dare go out and look for a passive lender who doesn't know anything about the apartment business unless you know something about the apartment business don't you you're, you're not allowed if if they're bringing the money you have to bring the work and the knowledge okay so the knowledge part is part of your job which means that's the investment you're making is getting getting educated about is this a good deal it's it's i think it's easy to think well i don't have any risk in it except my time because the other guys writing all the check but it's not okay to put somebody else in a risky position because you didn't know the part you were supposed to know, which is how to do this. Yeah, it's amazing what what an education will help with as far as raising money and that kind of stuff and getting deals and finding, like just like you said, those people that have the money, but they either don't have the time or don't even care about the time doing it. They, they want you to do it. Mm-hmm. I actually, I've had several people call me over the years that have told me they found these great deals and they they want my help kind of analyzing them a little bit further and possibly raising money. And I say, okay, the first thing I ask them is, so what makes it a great deal? And literally the response was the numbers turned green. (laughs) And I said, wait, what? What what does that mean? The numbers turned green. They go, well, they got this software from somebody somewhere and they put the numbers into the software and the numbers turn green. And that means it's a good deal. Well, who's going to invest with somebody who says, yeah, give me a hundred thousand dollars to buy this property because the numbers turn green. (laughs) I don't understand what the numbers are, but they did turn green. So it's all okay. Yeah, they turn green. It must be a great deal. It's like, no, you, you need to, just like you said, you need to be educated. You need to be, you need to have that, Education so that when you go out and you start talking to people about raising money or having them trust in you to give you that kind of money, you need to be able to tell them why it's a good deal. Well, because the cap rate is 8 and the market cap rate is 6, so I'm getting it at a great deal. Not to mention the fact that the rents right now that they're charging are only $500 a month, but the market's at 6. The property has... 12% 12% vacancy in the markets at four. And the reason it has 12% vacancy is because the property manager is an idiot. I stopped in there to shop the property and the person wouldn't even get out behind the desk to actually show me one of the vacant units. <laughs> I had to basically force them to get out behind the chair. And then when they took me in the unit, the unit looked like somebody had just moved out. There was still stuff all over the place. It was terrible. So we're going to fix all this stuff. And the expenses are out of whack. And here's why the expenses are out of whack. And we're going to fix this and this and this. 
and we're going to take this property from a million dollars to $1.5 million in the next 12 to 18 months, and this is how we're going to do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Man, now you got people that are saying, okay, I'm sorry, I was going to invest 50000 but now I want to give you 100 yeah. So <laughs> how do we do that? Yeah, now after that description, I want to I want to invest with you. Um have there a qu- have a question here from uh Linda who says is there some sweet spot that Anthony recommends in terms of number of units that a new investor should be looking for? Well, I think that really comes down to your experience and comfort level. Um certainly if you have limited experience or exposure with investment property at all, I would say you probably should start a little bit on the smaller end. Um, and don't get me wrong here, because every single property, I, people ask me all the time, Anthony, how many units do you have to have in order to have a property manager? My personal opinion is always the same, one. So whether to me, whether it's a single-family home or a condo or a mobile home or whatever it is, you have one unit, it should be, if you bought it right, it should be cash flowing the way that's supposed to cash flow that you can afford to pay someone to manage it for you. So even with limited experience, you don't necessarily have to start on the small scale. You don't have to start with a fourplex or sixplex or tenplex. It all depends on the type of experience that you do have, though, because I don't want you taking going from one single-family home and now going out and trying to buy a 100-unit apartment building. Completely different world. You need to get the education. You need to get the experience. I've actually had some students that what they did is they actually partnered with some of my other students on their deals to get that experience. And then six to 12 months later, now they're ready to go out and start buying some of these larger properties. So if, it, however, Linda, if you own 10 or 20 units already or you still own 10 or 20 single-family homes and you want to go out and buy a 30 or 40-unit property, piece of cake. It shouldn't be any different as long as... Um, uh, you have the experience and the education to to take that down. Very good. Um, so, uh, if if we can summarize a little bit here, uh, your opinion is that be careful where you're getting your news about apartments because what you're what you're reading about is the A class apartments in the hot markets, and the reality is there's still opportunities in B and C class units in those hot markets, and of course, in all of the not-hot markets where things are just very different, that a brand-new investor can, in fact, compete in this market because they are just not competing for the same properties as these guys who can literally just write a check for millions of dollars to buy a building. That if interest rates go up, that's fine, too, because that's just going to increase the value of the properties as as folks who are trying to buy homes can no longer afford them, that new investors need to learn what they're doing first and then take down the, the, the unit that they feel most comfortable with, but just do something. Pull, pull, pull the trigger. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't sit around and learn and learn and learn and learn forever and ever. Yeah, take action. You can't become a professional student. At some point, you've got to take what you've learned and put it into action. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, well, very good. Appreciate you uh, joining us today, Anthony, and sort of, um, I, I feel better. <laughs> I feel better about the apartment market than I did at the beginning. <laughs> um, and again, uh, you're going to be here in Ohio on uh, June the 2nd and 4th in Cincinnati. More information about that at CincinnatiRia.com. And then on June the 7th and 11th in Columbus, Ohio, more information at centralohioria.com. We will be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing.